Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 29. Uh, we're almost the big free zero mm. in terms of weeks, but God, does it feel like years. Uh, but not because of this podcast specifically, because of course, this podcast is nothing but a good time. Uh, I am Matt Jarvis, I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker, and this week, as always, I'm joined by two of the team. I'm joined by Alex Lowley's video producer for Dicebreaker. Hello, Lowley's, how are you? Hi, I'm good. I was 29 once, very recently, actually. Um, but I, I've I've grown up now, so I'm, um, you know... That's all I have to say about that, really. I was 29 <laughs> like you till I took another year to my age. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what everyone's here for, those Skyrim memes from 2011. Uh, and of course, we are also joined by Head of Video, Johnny Chiedini. Hello, Johnny. How are you Hello, doing? Hello. I'm fine. Um, yeah, I've, I have nothing to say about the number 29. Okay. Neither oh. positive nor negative. You heard it here first. No, it's fine. Indifference. <laughs> Hmm. Uh. <laughs> That's what you always hear here, 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 here first. Here, yes. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're here to chat about this week's bevy of board game news and tabletop RPG goings on, as well as what we've been playing, which we'll dive into right now. Let's start with. Well, Johnny's giving me eyebrows. Johnny, you go first. Oh, I was just waggling my eyebrows. Um, this week I've been playing uh, basically since I've been on the podcast last nothing but deadlines because um, I am currently uh, I've moved out of my flat in London and I am at my parents house uh, while I'm waiting to complete on a flat which is all very exciting and scary but also means that I'm here by myself um, just it's just me and my dog because um, uh, I needed space and quiet to record things for my job and my wife tattoos in London so obviously she had to stay in London so uh, I've just been climbing the walls and playing a lot of Deadlands over the internet, like a lot of Deadlands. Uh, I've been running two campaigns and playing in one, so it's just if I'm if I'm not in the weird west, uh, you know, there's not mm. then I'm working or sleeping. That is how things are for me at the moment. Uh, it's when fun, turn- I should add. Um, I actually did. I even did a bit of solo RPG journaling this week um, because in the campaign I'm playing in, I'm playing as like an impressionable teenager called judah and uh he when the campaign started out was like really green and wet behind the ears and was like he just wants to go on an adventure now he's killed three people oh god because we keep getting into these horrible fights uh and he's not sure how to deal with it he's like i wanted to be a good guy but good guys don't kill people so i, I sat down put some really sad like deadlines appropriate music on and just wrote a confessional letter from his perspective and it was really fun like i you know Obviously, we've we've banged on about the machine by Adira and Fen Slattery a lot on uh, the podcast and on Dicebreaker in general. But I really think that like the machine is like bottled lightning in terms of inspiration for people. I think journaling RPGs are really starting to catch on. Um, and yeah, it was just nice to be like, I'm going to do a little exercise to explore my character a bit outside of the realms of this game. So that's nice. Mm. Um, this week, if I were playing a game, I wish it would be Fort. Because A, I always love, I, I love Fort, but B, I have a copy now. It's finally turned up. And uh, some of my friends played it last night and they're like, it's okay. <gasps> right? Yeah. They were like, meh, we didn't love it. We're going to try it again. It's like, uh, but I do, I do feel like it needs a couple of goals right. of it. 
Yeah, like, I think when we played it, we were—I mean, we were being shown it by someone from League of Games, yeah. so obviously we we dove straight in. But yeah, I'm I'm terrified. I'm going to get back to London. They're going to be like four that game. We never want to play again. Shut up, Johnny. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that's maybe the thing with deck builders as well because mm. like when you're starting out you're never quite sure what to actually like what to keep in your deck what to lose so yeah. like yeah. A, a lot of the first few games are basically just seeing what's in there and going oh i wish i'd kept that because now i need it yeah yeah and the suits are kind of difficult to not keep track of in four but i think in terms of knowing which one to go for and which one specialize that almost certainly takes a few games i wasn't very good at when we first played but yeah um I just want I just want them to like it. They're entitled to their own opinions. But, like, <laughs> but not if they're wrong. Not yeah, yeah. <laughs> not if they stop me from playing four. So yeah. Mm. That's been my I do, week. I do wonder with the like it does seem like there's been this real wave of journaling RPGs lately. Mm. Or at least they've come to more prominence. They've always been around for a while. But um I'm wondering when we'll see the first kind of game to include it as part of like a I guess like a multiplayer game, but to build it in as like an optional solo mode. Because we're seeing like a lot of solo modes in board games and even RPGs, yeah. we're kind of seeing solo options. But the first one to just be like, okay, you know, in between sessions, maybe do this to develop your character. It's like a homework. Yeah. It's like RPG but homework. Fun, fun homework. Yeah. Good. I like homework. I used to like homework. I miss homework. Oh. You want to give me some homework, Johnny? Um, <laughs> I think that's just called work now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's true. That is true. I am doing all of my work at home. Yeah, at the moment. And so, so, in answer to your question, do I want to assign you work to do outside of office hours? No, uh, <laughs> but I do like that idea of like extra stuff for for RPGs. Like, um, mm. I set Jane Douglas not some homework, but I suggested a game to her uh, to help her sort of develop her character idea a bit more. It's an RPG where you are an apprentice like wizard or warlock or witch and you make a uh, a grimoire as you play um so you develop like runes and stuff and you write what you're planning to do um and jane's been quite faithfully doing it i haven't seen anything of it but i think it's probably quite useful in terms of like developing your character's backstory and finding out mm. what they want and then trying to bring that to life in a physical manifestation of a thing so yeah, yeah. Hmm. that's great i like that all right, if that's all you've been playing, Lolies, let's shift on over to you. What have you been playing this week? Well, let me tell you. Yes, Matt please. Jarvis and Johnny Cardini <laughs> and listeners out there, what I've been playing in this past seven days. I've played a singular game of Deadlands also with Johnny, um, where I don't even remember what happened. Uh, oh, how do you? How do you really want to kill a man? But decided not to, um, <laughs> um, which in the end seemed like probably the best thing to do because I essentially I'd missed a couple of sessions um, in previous weeks and there was this Aust- is it Australian yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Australian guy called Harper yeah Harper yeah and the thing is I like Alex like Alex Lowley's loves him Alex Lowley thinks he's great but Howdy despises him and. Um, <laughs> And I'd so yeah, I'd I'd kind of met him a couple of sessions ago, but since then stuff has happened, and um, I was face to face with him again after the rest of my group had gotten into some hijinks without me, which uh, was not ideal. 
and just the way that Harper kind of spoke to us and, and handled it with us. Um, and Howdy obviously was completely innocent of, of any wrongdoing. Uh, he was he was not happy. And, and uh, there was definitely a moment where I like had to stop myself from from escalating a <laughs> situation. But uh, but yeah, that's that's what uh, Deadlands. So I played I played a session of Deadlands um, and Escape the Dark Sector. Of course, we played Escape the Dark Sector. Se- sector. That's the Dark Sector. <laughs> you have been trapped inside the Queen's Wand. Yes, me, my wand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For those listeners, Alex Lonely's is now wearing a crown. <laughs> and I'm draped in a red blanket. Yeah, yeah, you are draped you in a red blanket. I assumed you were just cold. I didn't realise it was a... Uh... A, a regal I'm thing. Royalty. You look like an upcoming mm. an upcoming skin for Fall Guys. <gasps> yeah. Yes, season two, of course. Mm. It's all medieval, yeah. isn't it? This is where we start a new hashtag. Put lowlies in Fall Guys. Yeah. <gasps> do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we played that uh, on our live stream last mm. week. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, d- I enjoyed it. It's not like I'm not like in love with it or anything. I thought it was enjoyable. I would definitely, I think I would play again, but I wouldn't like play it to death. I don't mm. think. Um, it wasn't like amazing, but it, um, that was quite fun because uh, it me and had played it a few times, and so she was like the pro of the group, kind of knowing what's up, and she was like, you know, you you don't actually ha- your health goes down like quite fast, and I decided to completely ignore that. And just like get into any battle I could, <laughs> to the point where we did spoilers. We did win the game, but I had I think one health left. Yeah, I think I was like on the on the verge of death. Um, yeah, but it was it was good. You fun. were Aggie and extremist. It's like you could <laughs> sneak past and advance the game without any risk of harm, or. Um, I think there was one point where it was like, well, if we don't take this fight, then we'll all take one hit. Uh, and then it's like, so let's take the fight. And then we're all taking like six damage. Be like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Um, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was like, at the time, I think I was on five health. And I was like, guys, I can't afford to take one hit yeah. of damage. So I ended up taking like three instead. Yeah, it was. there was some pretty backwards logic going on. But Escape the Dark Sector is, is fun. Like, yeah, I, I think like you, I'd like, I'd play it again. Probably not for a while. And I think if I played it twice, I'd be like, meh. Like it's a thing I'm glad exists. Mm. I love the aesthetic and the kind of yes. the actual manipulating of the bits and the challenges and stuff. I just I didn't find the cards that thrilling. Like when it's like you move into a room, someone is fixing a droid. Will you mug them? Um, it just <laughs> it all felt a little arbitrary and like mm. it didn't it didn't really feel to me like it hung together very well. Which I guess you know yeah. when you've just got a deck of random encounters, it's gonna feel a bit like that. But largely, I was just like, "All right, this is this is a, a fun curio." Yeah, I haven't played Sector, but I've played Castle, and it was kind of a similar thing. Of like, you play it once, kind of see a lot of what's there, and go, "Okay, you can do the the fun voices and the spooky kind of atmosphere," but then it feels almost like a step between, you know, not playing any kind of role playing game or dungeon crawler. And it's like, this is a very kind of light, easy, you chuck a load of dice, you see what happens. Mm. And then if you kind of get the taste for it, it seems like you could then move on to like a slightly meatier dungeon crawl. Yeah, that's very true. Whatever it might be. 
I, I had played Escape the Dark Castle once before at UK Games Expo like a few years ago. I think it was a demo they were doing there. Um, and I don't really remember anything of the experience except for that I didn't really, you know, look to play the game afterwards. So I guess I was like <laughs> not like <laughs> in love with it back then <laughs> either. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's as you say, I think it's a good step. Um, if you're looking to maybe get get into RPGs and kind of get that story telling, because you can do voices and you can kind of bring some of that elements yeah. into the game. So that answers that question from last week's podcast. Yeah. Somebody asked. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, all right. That's, that's what you played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have also not, I've not played loads because it's been yeah it's been a busy week. A busy couple of weeks, it always is. But um, I did manage to play some of the new Magic the Gathering set, mm. which is almost unheard of because I'm not I'm not a huge Magic, Magic the Gathering person, but I was kind of intrigued by Jumpstart, uh, which is this new set, mainly because it seems to be borrowing ideas from Smash Up, which is a deck-building board game or comes in a box. So you buy two or you get two boosters. Or you can buy more than two if you wish. Uh, you open them. Each one has a theme. Uh, which you can't tell before you open it. So some of the themes I have are like pirates or I think one was winged things, like winged creatures, birds, angels, that kind of thing. Um, They can also be kind of like play styles. Uh, There were like demons, there were minions. Like They they seem pretty varied in terms of what they are, but you basically get two of these and you mix them together and then you've got a deck. It's a 40-card deck, you play with it. So it's like a very easy jumping on point for someone like me who doesn't play loads of magic but knows you know the the bit of magic that never interests me is sitting around trying to work out the meta and work out how many of x card i should include and how to build around a certain thing like that's great for people already in it um but for me just that's not the appeal Mm. Uh, the appeal is like this is a fun card game to play against someone for half an hour not let's spend 16 hours researching you know what red cards i need to spend seven grand on to be competitive yeah so I thought I thought it was decent. I mean, the the actual playing of it is the same as normal magic. You know, you play cards, you do damage, mm-hmm. you try and beat your opponent. But I think it's like a fun way of making it. You know, you you pick up two boosters, slam them together, you're good to go. Yeah. And because they're slightly smaller decks, it does play a bit faster. Um, but obviously, you don't really get as much of a choice over what's going into your deck. So I had a deck one of the times we played that was completely blue. Um, so it was a monocolor deck, whereas I was playing against my wife, who had um, like two different colors, um, mana colors, that mixed together. And it's kind of interesting to see how they bounce off each other. I think there are some new cards in there as well. Um, but yeah, it was it's interesting. I think if people are looking to get into Magic, it's a decent way in. Uh, and I don't think it's that expensive for those boosters. I think they might be around the price of a normal booster, so it's probably less than a tenner to to pick two up. Which is fair if you never play Magic before. Yeah, it seems about right. Um, I think it's yeah. it's smart to offer those kind of those ways in, especially with something as as big as Magic. Like I do love deck building, but I, you know, the all the games I've actually got into it have been ones where everyone's got access to the same card pool. There's no rarity. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you are trying to chase down a card and you're like, oh no, it's it's four thousand pounds, then it it kind of it takes the edge off a little bit. But. Um, yeah, it sounds interesting. Although I will go on record and say I hate Smash Up. Yeah, I, Smash Up is like a fun idea, and then in execution is like, Meh. it's just 
it's like it, it just sits in the same headspace for me as like Ready Player One. It's like, wow, it's so zany. It's look, we've got a zombie fighting an alien. Okay. Yeah. It's like generic meets generic. Yeah. It's like, like, okay. Go away. Yeah. I think that with Jumpstart, although there were, I had Pirates, which is obviously Pirates of Pirates. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think it was interesting that there was like, there were, I think there was one set, uh, one booster that was around a specific planeswalker. Um, and then, uh, like I say, some of them are around play styles. So it's not just here are some pirates, here are some cats, yeah. here are some, you know, they seem to go a little bit deeper on the the themes rather than just very kind of surface. Do they have cats in Magic the Gathering? Yeah, so I think there have been cats before because there were some in Amonkhet, which is the kind of Egyptian inspired plane. But with Jumpstart, cats and dogs are a big thing in there. They're on the front alongside goblins, I think. Um, so that's those are kind of the. The headline things is goblins, cats, and dogs. Yeah, everybody's favorite domestic <laughs> mm-hmm. creatures. Um, yeah. Uh, the only other thing I've played, which is only very little bit, is Game of Thrones on PC, uh, which came out last week. Um, I basically just played through the tutorial, and that was about it, just to kind of see how it worked. And it seems to be that game. Mm-hmm. Like, that game is what it is. It's kind of like slightly meteor diplomacy. Um, but Game of Thrones. So do you play as a Game of Thrones house? Yeah, so you are one of the seven houses, um, and you, the, the basically the the loop of it is you move your units. Everyone programs their moves at the same time, so you'll decide to move from one area to the other. But that that sparks discussion about oh, I'm going to move here, and like I'm going to tell you I'm doing this, so you can move out the way. But actually, I'm moving here to get this person. It's it's trying to be diplomacy in terms of you betraying people by lying to them and going, yeah, yeah, of course I'll move there and help you attack. And then, you know, backing off in the other direction to leave them to be murdered. What house did you play as, Matt? Uh, I can't remember. I want to say maybe it was... um, Like I say, I did the tutorial, so I suspect it was the Starks. Mm. I was attacking the Greyjoys Mm. somewhere up north. Sounds about right. I'm going to hazard a guess that's the Starks. I think... Because um, we we just no, okay. sorry, I was just gonna say we just we discussed the other day who would play as what house, right? So like Johnny was gonna be Baratheons. I said I wanted to be either Targaryen or Lannister. Um, me and we, I think we kind of decided She's for me that she would be the <laughs> phrase. Oh, you want to cross my river? Come in, we'll have a banquet. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, oh, it's very mean, isn't it? <laughs> who do we decide f- for wheels? I think wheels. Um, I think I initially said Lannister. I wanted Lannisters, and I think wheels said that oh, he yeah. wanted Lannisters, and I said I was happy to go for Targaryens mm. instead. Because this is the because essentially those are my the thing games. about the Game of Thrones board game, uh, which I've not played, and I uh, like it's because a, a bunch of my friends before I actually met them had played it a bit, and they got tired of it. Is that the balance is equal to? Um, like the, the house balances at the start of like Game of Thrones, which obviously if you're playing as the North, <laughs> it's, you're in for a rough time. Um, because like in diplomacy, Russia starts with one extra troop on the board, I think, and possibly one. So that means they have one extra supply city. However, they've got an absolutely enormous amount of territory to kind of keep hold of. And it's very difficult for them. So like it's uh, diplomacy, you know, there, there are people who have opinions about, you know, which, which factions are worse to start with. Um, but largely it's pretty balanced. But with this, I think it's just, 
I feel bad for all the people who are like, I'm going to go in as the Starks and I'm going to do this <laughs> right. And then an hour later, like, I'm out of this game. Yeah. Oh. So, but it's a faithful experience of being the Starks <laughs> at the start of Game of Thrones, yeah. to be fair. I mean, well, yes. We're recording a Let's wrong. Play of it this week. Uh, so in fact, tomorrow, in fact, so actually, well, t- several days ago in terms of this podcast. So it will be out at some point in 2020. Like, I, I, calendar is strange. <laughs> uh, and as, as regular listeners will uh, will know by now, sort of the, the promise of what videos are coming up is, is, is more like, mm, there are like, there are Roman auguries that are more accurate than our predictions on this podcast. So, uh, Every video is Macbeth. As soon as you speak, yeah. something terrible happens, and it's to the video. I'm looking forward to it, though, because I'm just going to be impersonating Robert Baratheon the whole time. Yeah, we did say we have yeah. to do voices, right? So. Come here. Yeah. I'm not moving there. Um, <laughs> I, I, today, actually, because I've been painting a bit while I'm, I'm sort of in exile uh, out of London... And I was like, I've started picking up models that I just want to paint for the hell of it. Like uh, Bad Squid Games has just released a miniature that's um, that Swedish lady hitting a, an anti, uh, hitting a, a neo-Nazi with her handbag. Like there's now a mini of it. <laughs> oh, no um, way. So I'm going to paint her up. But I was Amazing. like, oh, I really want to paint up Robert Baratheon, actually. And I was like, Song of Ice and Fire miniatures, Robert Baratheon. It's like, oh, no, it all takes place after he's dead. Because of course it does. So it's like, I could paint, uh, paint up Renly or Stannis. So I close the window. Mm. Bugger. Yeah. yeah, I think there are there are a few like Game of Thrones, but they're a song of ice and fire. So they are not based on the Af series. Yes, a very awkward acronym. Mm. Whereas Got is Got. much quicker. Uh, yeah, but that's that's all I've been playing is is those two things. Very briefly. What would your house words be, Matt? Yeah, if you if you founded your own house, house. Oh, I House made one of these on Facebook a few years ago. House of Jarvis. I don't know. It'd probably be like, um, I don't know. I could. You put Sorry. me on the spot here. Uh, it would. I gosh. I don't. Uh, we'll tell you what. We'll, if, I don't. Some something sad. Oh. Something like. Please oh, don't no, hurt no. me. No. <laughs> Oh. I'm looking mine up. I'm looking up the one I made a few years ago. I just I want to know what friends. I, what the horrible, stupid thing I wrote when I was like twenty. Amazing. Because what are the? There's winter is coming. There's Lannister always that's plays a, the dance. Um, or is that not the house? Actually, oh, sorry. Actually, it's... Khaleesi's not her name. Khaleesi's queen in Dothraki. Hear me roar. Is the Lannisters thing? Oh, okay. Yeah, which I don't um, like, what are the actually. Banner, the, the Baratheons. <laughs> Lame. Mine would be like, watch me so. <laughs> watch me so. <laughs> wow. Uh, House Greyjoy is we do not sew. Uh, oh, I my one that I made. Wait, when did I make this? In 2013. I have a, a, a cat, which the head is a skull and it's wearing a crown. And um, it's my house words are hunt for prey. <laughs> That's so almost cool. Like so nearly. Like if it was like the hunt is on or always the hunt or the hunt is on. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Don't call me. No. Oh, um, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> we should do, even if we don't play the RPG, we should do the Summer of Ice and Fire house creation exercise. 
from that RPG because it's great. Hmm. You end up with like a region, a house, a history, and like words and a shield and all this kind of stuff. It's 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 great. I still really want to run a campaign of that game sometime. Mm-hmm. I'd be up for that. I feel like that's a lot of the things that the Game of Thrones board games and miniatures games miss is that the fun is kind of in the the intrigue, whereas like the a lot of them just boil it down to chuck these armies yeah. at each other. Also, here's a dragon. Yeah. Yeah, the most exciting bits of that series were the bits where they were drinking wine and being like, you're horrible, and I sh- I'm going to kill you <laughs> from the inside out later. Like the, what's the, Mother, was it Mother of Thorns or something? Was that her nickname? Uh, I don't know. The the old oh, lady yeah. who was great. Queen of Thorns, yeah. Queen of Mother Thorns. Mother of Thorns. Yes. <laughs> Swaddling of a thicket. <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move on to Probably news? Best has. Yes. Uh, first up, uh, this is a, a sad one. Uh, PAX Unplugged for this year is cancelled. Uh, full disclaimer: PAX Unplugged is run by Readpop, which owns Dicebreaker, so we are kind of tied into that event and have been a few times. Um, but yeah, it's it's cancelled. There's no digital replacement as well. So unlike UK Games Expo, Essen Spiel, uh, Gen Con, kind of the big three, there's, there'll be no online event taking place instead of PAX Unplugged. Um, it was last month we had PAX Online and EGX Digital kind of running over nine days. Um, so that bundled in a lot of the, or several of the PAX events and had a tabletop area. We were there as well. Um, so a lot of that stuff was covered there, but you know, a tabletop focused event is, yeah, it's so much harder to do online. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a real shame. It's not surprising given this year, uh, but it's still absolutely going because that show is really, really, like really good. It. It's got a nice vibe. I'm going yeah. to market by eating but... crab cakes every morning for a week, whether I want <laughs> yes! to or not, because Pals is the only diner that has space in the food market. Crab cakes in the morning, croconole in the it. evening. That's the yeah. that's the loop. And and Wheels and I just get you know absolutely smashed on My the plane God. over. That was on the way to <laughs> <that laughs> so unplugged as well. It was on. Both. It was on both ways. What yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there was a thing recently, a news story about people who are paying like I think it's about three hundred quid, four hundred quid to go and eat dinner on a stationary plane. And I feel like you could do that, but go and drink rum and coke, various yeah. miniatures <laughs> of rum. There's also a flight to nowhere where you just go fly around for a bit and you land, which is just so irresponsible. Yeah, um, yeah. But hey, you know, humanity—it's not—it's not covered itself in glory this year. So why why should we be no. surprised? Or yeah. in general, really, track record for mm. humans. Mm. Uh, but the yeah, so packs unplugged. Yes, that's the. They are. I missed that breakfast. Now that you've yeah, reminded sorry. me of it, sad time. <laughs> also, oh, oh no, wait, that was okay. Boston. Never mind. We'll come back to that in <laughs> February. <Yeah. laughs> we'll wait till that event's cancelled to discuss what yeah. we miss about it. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, Pax Unplugged 2021 for now is planned for next year um, because it's a year away, um, but. For this year, that's that's that for PAX Unplugged. It's no digital event. They've so they've said that um, we'll look into. They their quote is: "We're looking into ways we can celebrate the games and community. You look forward to it every year at the show. 
um, mentioning that they'll look at doing live streams, panels, and community events outside of the event, um, which obviously won't be its own online event, but will be around um, and merch and stuff has already been produced. So that will be available as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a, it's really gutting because so much of that show is getting around a table with people, having them teach you, you know, gathering together with people you've never met before to play something and to kind of get in on the, mm. the atmosphere. Which I think is the, the thing that digital events find really hard is that the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and yes. Pax has a really. I just really remember my friend Paul has my Pax Unplugged hoodie, which I bought with my own money and is very comfortable, and I miss yeah. it. You still have. I remember that. I remember you buying that, and I bought Encore the Roll yeah. Right, which nobody mm. played with me. Yeah. <laughs> but it does have a solo mode, so it's fine. <laughs> I think I bought Point Salad at Pax Unplugged because it was yes. unavailable in the UK at the time. And we were all oh, raving yeah. about it, but we only That's had right. one copy. Uh, and it was the office copy. So I picked, I might have even picked up two copies of Point Salad and given one to a friend or something like that. Yeah, but, you did. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Packs Unplugged. We miss yeah. you. Uh, hopefully. Fingers crossed for next year, but we will see. Uh, moving on to, well, not really positive news, just kind of neutral news. Mm. Uh, informative news, as they might call it. Uh, Origins Awards have been announced. Um, so the Origins Awards have been running for decades at this point, uh, tied into the Origins Game Fair, which this year was delayed, uh, replaced by Origins Online, which was then cancelled um, because the organisers failed to make a statement about Black Lives Matter. Um, they were completely silent on it and rightfully, rightfully received backlash for it, and that led to them then cancelling that online event. Um, so that meant that the awards slipped into October and now they've announced them. The strange thing here is that because they were kind of coming out of nominations made for earlier in the year, the, uh, the games eligible to be nominated had to be released between November 2018 and November 2019. So essentially nothing from this year was eligible to be nominated for the 2020 Incredible. Origins Awards. I'm literally just looking at the games, and they're all yeah. I was like, these are all at least yeah, a year or two it, old. The, like what? Like <laughs> the winners are. It's basically like baiting the three of us on this podcast right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, no, go for it. So, so Tiny Towns was kind of the big winner. So that was named a game of the year, although not of this year really, um, and also best board game. And Tiny Towns, I game think, of a year, <laughs> game of a year, game released. <laughs> um, I think Tiny Towns came out in 2018. I guess it must have done, um, but yeah. it certainly feels like it came out a long time ago. I think there have been multiple expansions since. It's it's fine. It's perfectly okay. Tiny Towns. It's like a good, quick yeah. one of those. It's fine. Mm. You play some cubes. You build some buildings. That's that's kind of it. It's pretty yeah. pretty short and sweet. Um, uh, best card game, speaking of Point Salad, was Point Salad. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, Point Salad right. is a great game. I don't know if it's like... It, it's not the most inventive <laughs> card game I've ever seen, but I love it to bits. Um, and then Best RPG was Teens in Space, which I think is one of the more mm. curious decisions. Because Teens in Space is basically just a... It's kind of a spin-off of Kids on Bikes. Um, which is a very rules light RPG. Um, but some of the other 
nominations in the RPG category were arguably some of the most interesting nominations of the whole awards run. So there was Alien the RPG. Uh, there was, I think, Starcrossed was in there. Yeah, Starcrossed um, by Alex Roberts, which uses Jenga. Um, and Pathfinder, the new mm-hmm. edition of Pathfinder and of Cyberpunk Red as well. So to give it to Teens in Space feels a bit odd. Yeah. Uh, I haven't personally played that game. I've just read a bunch about it. Like, I'm, it seems fine, but it seems like they've really kind of overlooked some more inventive, interesting mm-hmm. kind of efforts. Particularly Starcrossed, I think, is the real like oversight here. Because um, Starcrossed is really big up really to Quacks of Quedlinburg, which won Best Family Game. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah! Age of Sigmar Warcry scooping best minis game. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> It's good. Yeah. I like it. Uh, yeah. So the the miniatures nominations were particularly odd um, because Warcry, which is it has miniatures in, but isn't a like full on war game, right? It's kind of more of a like a skirmishy. Yeah. It's it's skirmishy. Like you can't have more than something like fifteen or nineteen uh, models on the board. Yeah. I suppose like I haven't made the best comparison there, but it was up against. So also in the miniatures category was Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. Um, which is a, just a board game with miniatures, which is a particularly yeah. curious. Yeah, that's inclusion. strange. Uh, the other ones in there were things like Gaslands, uh, Malifaux. Um, my cat is on the table. Oh god, I, I love that game. That's quickly. great. My cat is on the table. Is such a good miniatures <laughs> game. Um, Maybe the, the funniest one. <laughs> I thought it would be that would actually be a really good. Mini- I would play that miniatures game. Yeah. Please, please, somebody make that game. That's got to be my a cat is on the game, table. Right? Yeah, yeah, and you have to like try and get the cat off the table, but the cat's like clawing onto the onto the table um, yeah. cloth, or whatever that's called, and you have to like, and then you have to pick up the cat without picking up the cloth or like mm, knocking over yeah. the candle that's on the table. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's good. I like that. That's another idea, Lolis, that you're just throwing out there for free. I know. The dicebreaker business cost. It's not free though. It's not free. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh, wow, you do have okay. to pay me for this idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the most curious uh, category of the Origins Awards this year was but best collectible game, in which there was one nomination and therefore it won by default. Uh, so Marvel Hero Clicks, Avengers Black Panther, and the Illuminati Booster Brick um, was the only thing nominated and was and therefore the winner, which feels very strange. Um, yeah, best historical miniatures game also only had two nominations, both for Bolt Action. Um, so it was between Bolt Action, Campaign D-Day Overlord, and Bolt Action Korea. Um, and yeah, D-Day Overlord won it. Meanwhile, wow. best historical game was won by Pandemic Fall of Rome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just a really, okay. really curious selection. Are they okay? <laughs> Are they okay over there? I don't, I don't think so. They're li- <laughs> living in a yeah. past they got wrong. Just, yeah, really odd. Um, but, you know, the yep. winners are the winners. So congratulations to all involved. Um, they I'd like o- to just send them a letter that just says, You okay, hon? <laughs> Love Dicebreaker. Sure, that would that'd do our reputation <laughs> wonders. Mm. Uh, so they, they also, as part of this, they inducted some more people into the uh, Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Design Hall of Fame. Um, so the Academy is who runs the awards. So going in this year was Wolfgang Kramer, um, who is a very kind of lauded designer. 
from the 70s onwards has designed things like Downforce um, and Tickle alongside Michael Keesting. Um, Reinhold Wittig, who I don't personally know as a name, um, and I haven't written it's here... It's a German name, though, so it's probably good. ...what they've designed. <laughs> uh, apparently, he's credited as the designer of over 125 board games. Uh, so apologies to Reinhold, because I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um Yahtzee went in, just the game Yahtzee. Yes! Uh, Board Game Geek, obviously the website. And then Wolfgang Varsh was named as 2020's Rising yeah. Star. Um, Wolfgang Varsh is... Except yes. um, except from 1 to T-Rex, was that the, the game we played where he was like co-designer? I was very disappointed in that. Yeah, he's, but, um, his output is very... It's like Quacks of Quedlinburg, The Mind, Wavelength, from on a scale of 1 to T-Rex... <laughs> It comes up in my like YouTube recommends mm. every now and again. Johnny on <laughs> a scale of one to T Rex, where would you put Wolfgang Varsh's uh, games output? I mean, generally pretty good, like Allosaurus and Allosaurus <laughs> having a big sure. roar, or possibly a honk, because they're not sure whether dinosaurs did roar. They suspect they're now honked like geese. Well, they now suspect they honk like geese. They don't. Obviously, they don't honk now at all. They're dead. Untitled dinosaur game. <laughs> I would one hundred percent would play. Would play. Because yeah. you'd have really short arms and you have to go pick things up. That'd be great. Just trying to ring the bell, just biting I'm, at the string. I'm gonna write to them mm. uh, and tell them to do that. All right. Uh, next story. The cat really uh, apologies to viewers. This is the cat start is the cat's going hero Luna wants to be part. Yeah, apologies more so to listeners who just hear a thump and it's then the move phase like now. Uh, there's no such thing as the cat. Um, moving on to other news. Desperately, see, normally someone wrote in and was like, "Oh, I want a compilation of every time me and like goes off on a tangent about something as Matt's trying to get through the news." And Mian's taking a well-earned holiday today, and instead the cat has... Luna's taking over, yeah. yeah. Um, no, not Luna. Molly. Holly. Holly. Damn it. Sorry. I confuse everybody's <laughs> cats also. Uh, all right. News. Uh, moving on to other news. Hero Quest, which we spoke about a few weeks ago, originally announced just for the US and Canada, is now Ooh, coming to the UK. Uh, <laughs> that video is very good. Um, if you haven't watched, oh god, what's it called? Yeah, don't, just search Hero Quest on worry. YouTube. You'll find it. Yeah. Um, so yes, Hero Quest. It's the rebooted kind of classic dungeon crawler. It's essentially the same as the original. Uh, there are some things being unlocked through stretch goals, um, such as alternate sculpts, so you can have female characters rather than just the original male sculpts. Um, there's two of the expansions are being rebooted. There's some extra kind of bits and bobs. The thing to note here, if you're in the UK and interested in this, it's exclusive to um, oh gosh, Zavi, Zavi, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah, um, that shop that everyone thinks of first when they think of major retailers. Um, and it is only the Mythic tier edition of HeroQuest. So as part of the crowdfunding campaign they're doing for HeroQuest, they have kind of the base tier, which I think is called Heroic, uh, which is $100. And then they had a mythic tier, which includes kind of the expansions, all the stretch goals, all that, you know, bits and bobs. That was $150. It's £150 in the UK. Uh, 
<laughs> no. Um, which is quite a lot, I'm going to say, given that you can get something like Gloomhaven, which is not exactly the same experience, but is, you know, a hell of a game. Um, that's I think you can get that for about mm. 80 to 100 quid now, which is still a, f- yeah. a fair amount to drop on a on a game, but I think you'll get your money's worth there. This 150 quid for Hero Quest feels like a lot. Yeah, it's... I mean, they're clearly going after the nostalgia market. And I guess they're saying, you know, if we are going to import mm. these to the UK, we want it to be worthwhile. But that's 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 definitely priced me out of it. I would have been intrigued, but now, no, no thanks. Yeah, um, but if you're interested, that'll be, It's I think you can pre-order it now and it's, it's counting towards the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, but it will be out next autumn, so it's a ways off yet. And I believe you there is suggestion you can pick it up when it comes to retail normally, so you don't necessarily have to get in on the crowdfunding campaign. Um, because yeah, that's very kind. Hey, maybe maybe wait for it to come out and then drop in price. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, ASMR podcast now. Um, dice ASMR Dicemus. I can't make it work. It doesn't work out loud. Uh, Dice breaker summer. Yeah. Dice breaker summer. Die breaker yeah. Oh, summer. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in other kind of general heads up about things coming out, <laughs> Cyberpunk Red has a release date again. <laughs> again, again? At least again. Uh, it was given a, re- a tentative release date earlier in the year um, over the summer, um, but that was mm-hmm. delayed due to coronavirus. Um, and now Artelsorian Games, which makes it, says that it will be out in November. So the digital edition will be out on November 14th, I believe. Let me just check that. Yes, November 14th for the digital edition. Then the physical edition will be out on November 19th, which is the same day that Cyberpunk 2077 well, well. comes That's... out. Well, just well. in time for Christmas. The stars are kind of aligned on that one. I mean, both games have been pushed back more than once. It's like, at this point, I do not think this is like a cunning strategy uh, I think this is just serendipitous uh, for both studios. So, you know, mm. kudos to them. Um, mm. Yeah. And if you're interested in seeing that played, we have yes, multiple we videos of us with, playing it on the channel yeah. with Cody Punsmith, who's the co-designer. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it very much. They are they rank among the most fun I've ever had in RPG sessions. They are wildly out of control that's, in all I the best ways. I think that's what sort of cyberpunk set games tend to do like Shadowrun's you know the same it's just like you're you know either Shadowrunners or you're edge runners and you're 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 sticking it to the man while also getting paid a lot of money by the man and it just everything is very slapdash you're trying to be cool while like juggling mm. fistfuls of jelly that's the best way I can describe cyberpunk yeah <laughs> someone is like gritty and bloody and then there's suddenly like a deadly faction of clowns I hated when they turned up. Yeah. No spoilers, but there are deadly, horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible clowns in the in one of the campaigns. That's yeah. lots of pilferses. Pilferses. Pilferai. <laughs> uh, moving on quickly, there's quite a lot of news. It turns out uh, there's a new RPG coming out called Awfully Cheery Engine, which is almost a really charming name, and then yeah. they stick engine at the end which makes it immediately not sound very friendly at all. Uh, but they shorten it to Ace with an okay, exclamation okay. mark, so there we go. It feels like they came up with Ace and then tried to like, like find mm. the, the the words to put into the acronym. Backronym. 
So yes, yeah. the interesting thing about this is that it is being released in kind of the same style as comic books. So they are putting out a 30-page core rulebook, as they're calling mm. it, which will be issue number one. And then if every issue after that mm. will be a self-contained adventure. Um, and they're kind of billing it as very flexible. So I think the the issue two, which is called the something, the Spirit of Manhattan, uh, it is very Ghostbusters. The artwork is absolutely not shying away from the fact it's basically Ghostbusters. Um, but then they say you could do like vampire horror, you could do gangster, like 1920s, you could do fantasy, you can do sci-fi. Um, and it's very light, so the character sheets fit onto kind of a card the size of a credit card it sounds quite similar um, to um so, adventure presents the kind of um the rebellion unplugged grant howard and chris taylor thing kind of like episodic adventures in rpgs it's kind of it's a like it's a fun format like you can almost believe that it's a resurrection of something from the you know the early 80s where it's like it was a magazine where like a fresh module would drop for excited dungeon masters every month um i like it it's like I, I think uh, people are increasingly latching onto the idea that RPGs don't have to be, like, massive. Um, they don't have to be 200-page hardbacks every single time. So, while I don't like the backronym, mm. uh, I do like the idea. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's it'll be interesting to see if we see more going this way of... like Almost like living card games, expandable card games... Um, we saw Ashes, Rise of the Phoenixborn come out recently with like a subscription model. Um, there is the Pathfinder Adventure Path stuff, which is like a, a subscription monthly thing. So whether more people are kind of getting into that idea of like small installments of money rather than coughing up 50 quid for a new hardback every you know mm. few years or couple of months. Just like it'll be interesting to see what this is priced at. Um, you know, is it going to cost the same as like a comic book of about 30 pages mm. but time will tell because the kickstarter will launch next year so we'll know more then uh, and i think they haven't announced a release date beyond that or whether or how it's going to be available beyond the kickstarter so we'll have to wait and see but yeah it's it's interesting to see people making more accessible rpgs yeah, it's only agree. a good thing really uh and speaking of rpgs and accessibility uh, there's a new kids mm. RPG, kid-friendly RPG, uh, co-created mm. by Banana Chan, um, who co-designed Zhongxi, uh, Blood in the Banquet Hall. So this is actually an adaptation of a series of kids' books inspired by RPGs called Questlings. So the the idea of the books is they're almost kind of like traditional children's books in that you know, it's kids going and doing things and learning things, um, but they use their kind of alter egos um, to overcome challenges and their alter egos are kind of your classic RPG characters. So they're paladins, knights, um, magicians, wizards, even. Uh, so yeah, they are, they're making a tabletop RPG at the back of this. Yeah. Um, but it seems very charming. Uh, and the aim is not to fight things. It's just oh, to nice. collect items. So it's not super combat heavy. It's, you know, you don't have to go and that would maybe be a weird fit for a kid's RPG to be like, Hey kids, go and slaughter these goblins. This um, sounds like Wheels might enjoy mm. this because he doesn't really like combat either. So yeah. RPGs. <laughs> it also sounds like it's boring. I haven't played Zhongxi, um, so you might know better than me on this. But um, so you, it involves rolling dice to kind of uncover these items, discover them, and then I believe there's a, a kind of board element or a map element where you're moving around it. 
So it sounds like there are some kind of board gamey elements as well as your mm -hmm. kind of role playing stuff, which I think is what Zhongxi had some of those. Uh, yeah. Kind of... Yeah, there was kind of like a board that that yeah did stuff. <laughs> But yeah, there was like a board gamey element to it, but it was like a, a kind of, I, th I feel like it was like a smaller part, but we only played a day of what should have been like a couple of days. So we might have like interacted with it a bit more if we'd played a bit more, but there was definitely that kind of element that you could all kind of uh, reference something in the table that kind mm. of affected everyone. Oh, so yeah, this is, so alongside Milan Chan, uh, Tim Devine is co-designing it. And it will launch on Kickstarter next month, alongside the books. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, kids' RPGs are... Like, there have been some really good ones. Um, oh, is it Take That Evil? Something like that. Oh, I forget the name now. There's, like, no Take That Evil. Um, and also the, oh, yeah. the My Little Pony RPG, Tales of Equestria, which I've mentioned before, <laughs> and is really good, and I will never stop saying that it's great, because it's genuinely brilliant it's really really good um you know for regardless of what age you are like it's just nice to see rpgs going away that's not just kind of more bland kind of fantasy stuff mm. taking a bit of a different angle uh lastly in the news chamber this week um a hot one coming in from the day we're recording this um a shiny charizard pokemon card has set a new record at auction um so it's from 1999 its official title is, it's a 1999 first edition shadowless holographic Charizard number four in gem mint 10 condition. Uh, but essentially it's from the very early days of the Pokemon card game. I believe the first year it was available in English. It is the, the shiny Charizard that almost everybody knows. It's very iconic. Uh, it's also very rare. Um, and this has set a new record by selling... Uh, including the buyer's fee on top. So the winning bid was $183,000, uh, almost $184,000, uh, with a 20% buyer's fee on top. Uh, the total price paid for it came to $220,574, which is about £169,000 for this one Pokemon card. And it turns out that the person who purchased this Pokemon card is the recently retired wrapper Logic, because he then tweeted about it to say, hey, I bought that. Um, and he's actually, he's been tweeting <laughs> recently about paying, um, let me find the exact number, he paid $23,000 for an original Pokemon base set and then was just opening booster packs. Um, so yeah, it, Logic appears to be on some kind of Pokemon buying kind of, you know, trend and is paying tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. for original Pokemon cards. So, yeah. I still have evidently. a bunch. I should check out what cards I have. This, yeah. Pe these kind of stories always get people to look at their collections, and the chance that you have one of these is so <laughs> slim. Um, but obviously, if you do, they they can be worth big money. Um, so it makes it the most expensive one of these particular cards ever sold. Um but it might even make it the most expensive Pokemon card ever sold um, because the Guinness World Records list the current uh, most expensive Pokemon card sold at auction as Pikachu Illustrator, which was sold last year for $195,000. Wow. Uh, and obviously, if you if you take the two twenty dollars as the total figure paid for this, uh, this exceeds that. 
Um, which is interesting because Pikachu Illustrator is very rare. There are only, I think, 10 oh. remaining copies in the world known to exist. Um, but yeah, Charizard, I think, has that kind of draw because it's yeah. so famous. Everyone kind of knows the shiny Charizard that it's or, become this real kind of sort of I just did a bit of Googling so while yes. you were giving the details on this, this story. You could, uh, you could instead buy a three bed end terrace house in, uh, in Newport, <laughs> if you prefer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe or, or invest in that semi detached in Ammonford, and you'd still have like 35k left over. Yeah. Are you, t- are you saying yeah, yeah. This if he wants to move to Wales? Like directly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, yeah, we, yeah. We know that logic listens to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, you know. There's a lovely one in Cumbran, actually. <laughs> I want to say that. I was just going to say, I think the most expensive uh, Magic the Gathering card is the Black Lotus, which I think only goes for about, only, quote, um, $30,000 or so. So it's, I don't know if it's because Pokemon is so well known, it's become this real mainstream thing. But obviously this is a huge chunk higher than that. Um, You know, it's just, it boggles the mind, let's say, particularly in this year. For people to be spending literally 200 grand on one Pokemon card. But I suppose if you're a recently retired rapper, that's what you do. But he's retired. Yeah. He's got to find a different hobby. He's probably. I suspect you... he's doing all right if he's making that purchase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would hope he's budgeting. Can yeah. you imagine if he wasn't? Like, he was just like. I want this card so bad. I you can't rent out a Charizard card mm. to cover your mortgage. But the interesting. Mm. Well, in in the video he actually uploaded of uh, him opening some of the booster packs from the the twenty the twenty three grand box, uh, he actually pulls a shiny Charizard and a shiny Raichu. Not the exact same card, um, because obviously that would be extraordinary. Um, but it's one of those things where. You know, you can get shiny Charizard and not necessarily have to pay two hundred grand for it. Um, they they are out there in different forms. Uh, it's only if you, I don't know, if you are into collecting this stuff. <laughs> I can't understand it, but maybe you do. But there we go. Let's uh, yeah. let's move on to some emails, shall we? Yeah. Uh, this first one's from Logic. And it says, Do you know of any good areas near Merthyr where I might be able to buy? <laughs> My budget yeah. is $169,000. Do you accept Pokemon cards as payment? Um, Card. Lolies, would you like to read this one from Emily, please? Emily says, Hey, folks. In episode 24, that was five episodes ago, Matt came up with a fantastic tagline for a terraforming Mars romance book. Oh, I can't see because somebody's hovering over. It's not I. Who's that? (laughs) I don't know. It's It's not not me. me. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Then in brackets it says, turns out there's not... Oh no, wait, this is what he said. Turns out there's not only life on Mars, but love on Mars. My question is, can any of you come up with a cheesy romance book Oof. tagline for some of your favourite board games? Thanks, Emily. Hmm. I think maybe just because no. it's in the background. <laughs> but how about Seven Wonders Aww. and You're the Eighth? 
Yeah. I feel like Matt does this all the time. This is this is how he got his wife, I'm assuming. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this is really hard. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, it's hard. Uh, yeah. uh, 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 um, mm. Mm. <laughs> um, what are the most well okay, let's start with like romantic board games are there any that other than like fog of love is an obvious one but that's kind of built into it but i guess you know i mean any board game could be romantic <laughs> yeah you try hard enough <laughs> yeah yeah i can't hold on i've turned around <laughs> Well, the the two other games I can see on your shelf, like these, are Secret Hitler and Star Realms. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like one of those might yeah. be exempt from this particular question. Um, uh, Star Realms um, is wow. what I see in your eyes when I oh, look yeah, that in your eyes. Of this world, we can get there with that. Maybe. I'm not very good at, at, at uh, yeah, uh, flirting, uh, so this is not a good. Uh, this is not a good game for me. <laughs> very good. Betrothal at House on the uh, Hill. Mon- Monopoly. Oh. Uh, it, it, wow. She was a race car. He was a, a property in Pimlico. Can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> oh, I was going to say oh, you have the good. Monopoly on my heart. Um, so, in answer oh, to the question, good, yeah, almost that's very good. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move Co- on. Code names. Um, code code names. names. They were both secret agents, but their love was the... more secreter. Mm. Oh. <laughs> no. You've got one word. Very good. And it should be yes. Oh, Matt. I will marry you if you do these <laughs> things. If you say these things to me. If you weren't already married. Third I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I'm trying to say. I look right? forward to my my <laughs> ebook yeah. series of erotic board game. Novels. Yeah, look out, Chuck Tingle. Uh, <laughs> erotic? Where did that bit come from? Yeah. Well, if you know, that's what sells on Amazon, right, or on whatever yeah. ebook site. Taken on a date prefer. to um, uh, Star Wars: Edge of the Galaxy by a Star Wars Monopoly board game by Matt Jarvis. We'll workshop it, it's fine. Is... <laughs> uh, Thanks, Emily, for that question. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Johnny, yes, would you like to read this very short one from Jeff? Favourite meshing of theme and mechanics. What else would Jack do? Criminy. Other than ask this question. Uh, favourite theming of... of, of <laughs> favourite, sorry, combination of theme and mechanics. I feel like these these um, questions get harder because it's not just thinking about the thing; it's also thinking about something space. you haven't talked about a hundred times in the podcast. Like I'm trying not to just keep talking about Deadlands Reloaded, mm. so I won't. Uh, I think it's been on my mind recently, but to but to buy you a bit of time, uh, Fury of Dracula. I think does it really really well. The hidden movement, and I actually think, although the theme may not be to everyone's palette like uh letters from Whitechapel and um, those kinds of games work really really well the hidden movement um kind of genre because they get a really good sense of 
having to kind of outmaneuver each other without exactly knowing where your enemy is. Like, I think there's something really fun in Dracula where they're laying down things and kind of plotting their course and everyone else is like, we've got to take them down. Like, we've got to do this. And as it builds towards, as they turn more and more vampires and get closer to winning, you get more desperate and are kind of taking bigger risks. So I always think that, like, Fury of Dracula isn't a perfect game, but when you get the right group of people around it, it just works so well um, that I absolutely adore it. Speaking of something similar, I've never played this game myself, but I've seen it played. Um, Have you ever played Nyctophobia? It's like um, this kind of like horror game. It's like you're in a horror movie um, and one of you is like kind of in charge and like tells the story um, and the rest of you are all blindfolded and you've got this board and which the like the person in charge sets up and it's got these like 3D things. So there's like trees and your, your player pieces and whatever and you have to and there's a car and you all start in the car but your friend has gone missing or something and you all with your blindfolds on have to try and like find your friend in these dark woods whilst um and all you can do is touch the board and so like you're the person in charge will take your hand show you where your piece is and show you what's around your piece by like guiding your hand and like kind of letting you touch certain parts of the board and you have to make decisions and, and like try and find your way through and find your friend and then bring your friend back to the car and escape and in the meantime i think there's like a some kind of vampire or something in the woods who's like trying to kill you um and it's like so it's hidden movement but it's kind of taken that and actually made you blind like it's it's taken your actual vision away and kind of making you use your sense of touch um which i i as i say i've never played it so i don't actually know how how exactly it works like how if it's actually really good but it, it seems like a really interesting way of doing mm, something like that that sounds really fun doing a kind of hard although i'm terrible at um at, yeah. if someone's you know like in things like um is it paranormal detective where you draw on someone's back i can't i can't make sense of the pictures i'm like <laughs> yeah hey, you've touched me there there and there nah, nah, nah. so i don't know how good at that i'd be um i think I've, I'm, I'm a very visual person <laughs> Uh, I think for me, um, I've talked about it uh, quite recently, but um, Detective, a modern crime board game, uh, pounding stuff into the database and having different lead cards and having a notebook and just being like, we've got to get more on this guy and like shaking the relevant cards around and stuff. It just makes you feel like a detective or it makes you feel like how police procedural TV shows present detectives. Um, like both times I've played, we've ended up pacing the room and kind of talking animatedly to one another. You know, like one time we, we ordered Chinese food so we could like feel like we were, <laughs> were having like takeout while doing overtime and all this kind of stuff. Because, um, you know, I love games that let you role play a bit. Like when I played with my, uh, when I played season one, uh, which I still need to write up for a review, uh, with my friend Tom, who's an actor, he disappeared and he came back having put on a shirt and a red tie um, and he was like, right, Sarge, let's get to it. <laughs> and that's, that was, that was him for the rest of the day. Um, I, I love Darth <laughs> things like that, but there's just something about having to put in a code and being like, we've got a match that's just, it's magical. I really like that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm. Also, um, oh, what's the, the game that we all played last year? Oh, King's year? Dilemma. And, uh, Whoa, and the King, what a game. King's Dilemma kind of does... Yeah, it kind of does that whole thing quite well because like every action has like consequences and and like it's it's a legacy game, but it's yeah. I think it works really well. I with miss the theme King's as Dilemma. Well. 
we're still waiting to pick up our game which we've had on pause since March Mm. Um, and we were doing so well we started playing it in January and we had so many games under our belt we were like we're actually keeping the momentum up for a legacy game and now look at us oh (laughs) fools (laughs) I do I will say I've always wanted to play diplomacy on like a massive board with almost like toy soldiers yeah. and the the little shuffle board thing when we played oh, diplomacy we all kind of got into the it was a set we did it almost like a murder mystery night um and we all dressed up in kind of country appropriate clothing um and kind of tried to role play as the because i think that's why a backstabber which we spoke about much earlier in the year a lot works because you like you were saying johnny you can really get into that sense of like yeah. oh i'm going to talk to you as if i am this early 20th century commander um and i think it also helps then detach from the more kind of brutal elements uh, where it's mm. you know you are straight up lying to each other at points which is yes you know, i will sometimes I will hard in person, in person compared again. to uh, certain of that being over the internet <laughs> mm. it, yeah it's savage uh lolis would you like to read this one from drew please Mm-hmm. Hello, Dicebreaker crew. I really like the way they said Dicebreaker crew because it's like Drew, Dicebreaker crew. Anyway, what advice would you give somebody who wants to make a career out of gaming? Mm. This was part of a much longer email, so thank you, Drew. I just Don't work for free. Podcast, but I appreciate the email. But do do things for free for yourself. Mm. Yeah. Like, I would say, if, you know, when people in the past have been like, how do I become a games journalist or whatever, it's like, well, it really helps if you can point to writing you've done, even if it's on your own blog or whatever. If you can be like, I want to do this thing professionally that I'm already doing over here, by the way. It's so much, it makes you just seem instantly more memorable and more credible than going like, I would love to do this thing and I think I would be good at it. It's like, okay, well now now we we have to find out together whether, whether or not you're, you can do the thing. Um, of course, like, I don't know whether Drew is talking about journalism or just, you know, playing or or what have you. So if you want to, if you want advice on becoming a pro magic player, I, I'll, I'll toss that over to someone else. I don't really know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think just just do it. Just get it. Get in. Get in somewhere is my advice. Um it's probably not yeah. Do you how do I get but, a job in gaming? Um, <laughs> get a job. <laughs> you know, just do I it, mate. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you know, like there's there's so many different kinds of jobs mm. in gaming. So this is kind of like again, we don't we don't know what what exact what exact area Drew maybe is talking about, or if Drew just wants to get into any area of gaming. But um, I think if we're just talking kind of like in general, you just want to be in the world of gaming, just. There is so many, as I said, there's so many different jobs available. I myself have been posting, like retweeting, um, you know, job job openings that are like going in games companies on my Twitter. Um, and those are like varying from like working as a community manager to, I don't know, other things. I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> I just like, let's just retweet this because there's lots of people who want to get into the second games industry. Like I started as, you know, a, a guru in, in a board game cafe and then I worked for a publisher and now I work on YouTube. I've done like lots of different areas, but like once once you're in the industry in one way or another, you'll meet the right people and you'll find your way to the area that you 
want to end up in if you don't mm. stare in the area you want to you want to end up in mm. um so yeah just and also just I, I always find like just getting involved with like communities um like if you're talking if you're talking like i don't know doing it on twitch just you know finding other people who are doing it on twitch and maybe like pairing up with them or if you're talking about um working with uh publishers or something you know obviously there's no events right now but um when events are a thing go and talk to publishers at their stands and just play with people get to know people um who are in the hobby or in in the industry and doors will open yeah but you just gotta kind of get in there is what i think anyway or that's how i found my way here Mm. yeah i think obviously this year being an exception but normally there are so many board game events where you can demo um, and the right publishers will pay you for doing so um, which they should don't accept don't work for free Um, but that is a good in route to just kind of like Lodi says kind of knowing the right people getting an idea of what you can offer at the publisher or the industry or you know I think with with board games it can be a double-edged sword because it's quite small compared to the likes of video games but that means there's yeah. not as much competition as well you know a lot of the time like from the editorial side um a lot of people want to write about films they want to review video games they want to do all of that um and board games are popular but if you can carve out a niche um which is much easier in board games than most uh, industries because a lot of it is niche to begin with you can kind of find the right places. Maybe you really specialize in war games and you really know your kind of historical stuff. You know, there will be an outlet out there that would probably be interested in hearing from you because that's not what a lot of people cover. You know, a lot of people do magic, but if you can find a different way in or cover a similar card game, maybe there might be a spot for you there. But I think, like, to kind of just repeat what Johnny and Lily are saying, part of it is... Don't, don't work for free, don't work for exposure, but do make sure that you have something to point to, either from the passion side, where it's like, look, I've been involved with all of this, or from the writing side. You know, you don't have to have written about board games or games in general, but if you can find a job writing about something, you'll still hone that craft, um, and it will make you a better writer overall. A lot of the best games writers don't actually spend all their time playing games you know they're reading other articles they're reading outside of the industry because otherwise you'll never bring anything new to it um so yeah i would you know just it it may take a while but i think if you're if you're doing it for yourself and you're doing it because of the love of it eventually you know you will find a way through but i think it's it's doing it for the love of it first because if you try to come in hard and do it because you think it's going to be, you know, a, a great job, basically. You know, those jobs are so rare to begin with. Yeah. Um, that yeah, you'll quickly just run out of enthusiasm and it will start to feel like you've lost the love of the thing you started out for in the first place. Um, yeah. Thank you for your question. Uh, Johnny, would you like Matt, to read this one from, from Matt? What's a, what's a fun surname? <laughs> Uh, yeah, hi Dicebreaker Gang. <laughs> yeah. After tearing through the entire back catalogue of, of your podcast, I started to realise how much it meant to me to be able to hang out in the weird way that podcasts make you feel close to the hosts with the team after all these months of social isolation. It helps me remember that there are fun, enthusiastic and like-minded people out there that I'll be able to play games with once this is all over. 
Uh, first of all, Matt, that's very nice. Thank you very much. But um, he goes on to say, anyway, to the question, whenever I sit down to play Quadropolis or Wingspan, some wires get crossed in my brain and the components start to look straight up delicious. My question is, what's the tastiest looking board game component? Mm -hmm. Much love, Matt, last name withheld. Who's going to say? He's, yeah, Matt's right. They, they're delicious. There right? it is. No, 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 no. <laughs> delicious looking. What? Both mats are right. Yeah, yeah. Also, Quadropolis, excellent game. I have it on my shelf. I used to be obsessed with it, and then I hadn't played it for a few a few years. I bought it last year, and I haven't played it since because I'm nervous because I have to relearn the rules and I'm nervous about it. But there is some excellent, delicious-looking pieces in there, um, so that's a good choice. Mm. Just want to say nice. that. Nice. Uh, Quadropolis romance novel, Quadropolis. I think Sabotage <laughs> um, has uh, uh, lots of like clear plastic bits, but also just even the miniatures, which are kind of just like a dull gray plastic. They just look chunky and you kind of just want like, like, I don't want to eat them. I just want to put them in my like, I just want to have a chew on them. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say that. And mm. also just a little gnaw. So I wouldn't personally want to eat them because I hate licorice and that's what they look like to me. But the guns from Cash and Guns, you just reckon grabbing one of those and just going Ang, and taking mm. a big bite out of them would be amazing in terms of texture, like if they were made of nougat. But yeah, I, I can't, I, I hate licorice. So yes, not that, I was thinking nougat. They, like, yeah. I frequently get tempted to just like, just have a little, mm, a little chew on those. New gun. Like yeah, new, new gun. New gun. <laughs> new gun um also i think just like any clear square uh you know like the pandemic square um clear pieces just look yeah. really nice as well sprinkle also, them on like certain, a banana split yeah <laughs> certain D D dice also look really edible like i think usually mm. when they're like clear and kind of look like like candy mm. Mm. think uh, like the candy and D dice i made that time mm -hmm. video on our youtube channel now <laughs> Uh, Azul stained glass of Sintra along similar lines. Yes, it's they look delicious, but also it's that thing where I get a very kind of um, like gut reaction yeah. when I go to pick them up because they look like they should be sticky because they look yeah. like lozenges, and so actually <laughs> it's kind of odd to pick them up because every time I'm anticipating them being like that, very yeah, kind of, they look like boiled sweets. Yeah. So. I always want to like lick my fingers to like get rid of the yeah. stickiness. Mm. They do, they do, they look great. I think yeah. there's anything along those lines, pretty much. Can't think of anything else. Mm. Mm. Good metal coins. Now. Metal coins always look like Wheels you should be able to unwrap out if you were on the podcast right now. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm freaking out on his behalf. Because yeah. I'm just thinking about chewing on metal, and it's not nice. Yeah, one of the one of the <laughs> things that stuck with me as a child is eating a chocolate coin, but not taking the wrapper off or having a little sliver left in there, and the feeling of the foil in my teeth, uh, which was yeah, it's like a real visceral thing. Even now, I can still feel it when sometimes oh. I look at um, foil. Ow. So, mm. No. Uh, let's not end on that, but let's. Uh, <laughs> start to bring things to a close thank you for all your emails if you have an email or a question for the podcast or the team or you just want to get in touch you can find us at podcast at dicebreaker.com and looking forward to the week ahead on dicebreaker.com and youtube.com forward slash dicebreaker yes, well, what a Johnny, good question like i said we, we are going up? to be recording a let's play of um game of thrones the board game 
so you can look out for that. Um, today, as the well as the podcast go li- goes live, I think we're streaming Among Us, which is technically a video game, but don't think about it too much. Um, with Eurogamer outside Xbox and outside Extra again, because people really enjoy that. Um, we have already had a list go up about uh, five games that are surprisingly savage, um, that really make the sort of the knives come out. Um, and looking ahead to next week, oh, oh yes, we're we're planning to play Root as well, the digital Wait, version Root. of that. Um, Wait, which is a great game, and Lolis has never played before, and I think we need to fix that because it's just brilliant. Um, and looking ahead to next week, hmm. I'm already wearing a crown. That's a thing, right? Uh, I'm wearing a crown. No, is that a thing in a room? really. But, yeah. Um, no. Crown of a oh. bird. Next week, we're also... Uh, it's okay. a sponsored stream. We're going to be painting uh, miniatures from the Darkest Dungeon board game, uh, which I'm quite excited about because I love Darkest Dungeon, and I've already received some of the minis, and they are really good. So we'll be painting some of those on stream. So that's about it for the video team. How about the website, Matt? Mm-hmm. How about that website? Uh, yes, we already have a couple of features up by the time this goes out. Uh, Matt Ferrer chatted to some UK, uh, well, friendly local game stores um, and board game cafes about how they've been holding up during the pandemic um, and the kind of impact of lockdown on you know businesses that kind of rely on people coming in and touching a lot of things together. Um, and so, yeah, it was a really interesting read. Uh, and kind of like sobering reading at points. Um, there's some some positives, but also it's clearly you know going to continue to be challenging um, for folks that sell board games mm-hmm. and you know people on the high street. So, well, we wish you the best if the, you're in a similar situation. Uh, when, as of today, which is two days ago for you listening to the podcast right now, or maybe three, um, Alex Meehan, um is not here in. In body, but she is here in spirit because she's written a piece on Eldritch Horror um, and kind of looking at how it finds some interesting storytelling uh, beyond kind of the bits on its cards by having your characters go through some real hard times. Um, and even though you might fail, you know, that's kind of the point of the game at some point, uh, and you'll come away feeling satisfied by the story you kind of tell as a group. Um, looking ahead, we have uh, a kind of list of the best cards in Magic the Gathering's modern format coming up. Uh, we have some pieces on... Well, we'll hopefully have a review of Small World of Warcraft uh, coming out soon. Uh, we'll have a piece looking at X-Wing, mm. uh, particularly in the light of the video game Star Wars Squadrons uh, and how you know X-Wing does a really good job of capturing that dogfighting feel uh, on the tabletop. Uh I'm a big fan. Uh, and yeah, we'll have plenty more daily news, list guides, all that you expect. I don't know if Johnny's frozen or is just holding very yeah. still. No, that's that's for me as well. It's a very funny expression that he's frozen. <laughs> but, uh, we will, I don't know where what's happened to Johnny, maybe his internet's dropped, but we will bring this to a close all the same because we're at the end. Thank you for joining me, Lolis. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thanks for joining us, Frozen Johnny. Thanks very much for having me, Matt. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> uh, I've been Matt Jarvis, of course. Uh, stay safe out there. Be well. And until we meet again next Friday for the next Dicebreaker podcast, have a lovely day. Bye.
Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.